In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, amen. So this is the first Sunday of Lent. Last week was what we would call, would, would have called pre-Lent Sunday. And the reading that we read today is the second half of Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus is asking you and he's asking me a question. He's asking you and he's asking me, where is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In preparing for the new Sunday series that we're starting today um, downstairs after the liturgy on repentance, I, I read a beautiful quote um, uh, by, I think, St. John Chrysostom saying that God hears the repentance of our hearts more than he hears the repentance of our lips because there, our heart will never lie, but our lips can sometimes say this and that. So sometimes I could say that my treasure is um, uh, the Lord or the, my treasure is my career or my treasure is my children or my treasure is... I could say that my treasure is a whole bunch of different things, but... Um, I may, be, I may be fooling myself. I may be trying to fool others, but I know you all are nice, honest people, right? I may be actually trying to fool myself, right? But Jesus is telling us, where, where, where is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I was asking myself and I was asking God, how can I know what my treasure is? St. Paul gives us a very, a very nice model that we can use. In Philippians chapter 1, St. Paul says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So St. Paul is almost asking us, What do you and I live for? Like, to, to state it in the, in the negative, I mean, I'm usually try to be a very positive person, but maybe this is one of those things that's easier to state in the negative. If I were to lose this, life would no longer be worth living for. What is this? What is it that gives that, that spark of life to your life? What is it that gives joy and brings color into your life and into mine? That's your treasure. That's your treasure. And Jesus is telling you and he's telling me that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus is using money as an example. About 25% of Jesus' parables have something to do with money. Jesus was not obsessed with money. In fact, Jesus was, was poor, and when they tried to give him money, he said, what am I going to do with it? But Jesus is just using something which is very tangible and easy for us to, to understand, right? When you have money, when you don't have money, and so on, it's easy, kind of easy for you to and, and for me to understand. And he says, look, you cannot serve two masters. Either you will love the one and you will hate the other, or you will love the one and you will hate the other. But you can't serve both. You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus here is not telling us that money is, is bad or evil. Some people say money is evil. I don't, I don't think that money is evil. Think money makes you more of what you already are. If you're generous, it makes you more generous. If you're cruel, now you have more means to be even more cruel. But anyways, that's a topic for another day. God is not telling us this only in the context of money. He's telling this in the context of what is your, what is your treasure. 
That's why St. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because when I die, I will have more fellowship with him. I'll have more communion with him. I'll have more closeness with him. I'll have more connection with him. I'll, I'll feel more intimacy with him. I will be living in his presence forever without distraction. So for me to, to live is Christ and to die is even better is gain. St. Paul says. But how about you? And how about me? And then Jesus says, he says another, another thing afterwards, not quite a parable, but almost, and it's very confusing. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is evil, your body will be full of darkness. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the perception of our minds. How we perceive things. And he's, t he's trying to tell us that if my treasure is money, I have some friends that are excellent businessmen. And I, I used to walk up to them all the time and tell them, hey, I've got this great idea for a business. And they would listen to me. And then they would invariably, the three guys, right? They, two of them are friends, the other they don't, doesn't know them. So they're independent sources, right? And they'll tell me, Father John, don't quit being a priest. <laughs> You'd never make it in business, right? They're, they're, but they're excellent. But these guys can make money out of air. They can make money out of air. They see opportunities that I wouldn't see if my life depended on it. What's very interesting is that uh, two of them, at least, couldn't care less about money. They're just, this is just their God-given gift. But they don't, they don't, they don't, they couldn't, they're some of the most generous people I've ever met. Nonetheless, all of this is to say that their eye is able to see things my eye can't see. Their eye can see things my eye can't see. There's a perception, they, they're able to perceive things that are right there in front of both of us, but they can see it and I can't. See, Jesus is telling us, Jesus is telling us, let let your eye be good. The word good here is very much um, akin to pure, which is oftentimes actually translated simple. Simple, not like someone who's simple or, 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 or like foolish or uneducated. No, not like that. Simple as in single, as in pure. As in, if, if I give you a bottle of water, um, and it, and it has some, you know, some, you know, um, those, that powder stuff that you can put in water to give it flavor, that whatever, crystal light or whatever, right? Then it's no longer pure. I mean, maybe it tastes nice or maybe, maybe you like it, maybe you don't like it, that's up to you. But it's no longer, it's no longer in its original form. God is telling you and he's telling me, let our eyes be pure. The more and more that my treasure is given to God, the more and more, the more and more that my eye becomes pure. All I can see is, is my treasure everywhere that I look. Why do you think God wants to give us to give Him our treasure? Why do you think He wants us to go to Him and give Him our treasure? I tell you, what's He going to do with it? If it's money, or if it's your career, or if it's your children, or your grandchildren, or if it's some project you're working on, or some dream you have a hope for, and you're working really hard towards it. 
Why does he want us to give him our treasure? Because he's the most reliable one to safeguard it. It's out of love for us. It's out of his love for us. If we take back the analogy of money, which Jesus uses, what's he going to do with our money? I was just recently traveling in Egypt, and uh, I opened my wallet to get some money out, and I had you know, some Canadian dollars, some American dollars, and some Egyptian pounds. And jokingly, I took the Canadian dollar out, and I handed it to somebody, and he looked at it, and he was like, wow, this is interesting. You know, he would have never done that with, with American dollars or with, or with Egyptian pounds because he knows what that is. But this is something that is completely foreign to him and quite frankly is interesting but has no use to him. God, when we give him our treasure, he does the same thing. He looks at it and he says, wow, this is kind of neat. Hey, I'll hold on to this for you. He can't, he can't spend your money. What's he going to buy with your money? Nothing. He has everything. The, 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 the roads in heaven are paved with gold cobblestones. What's he going to do? What's he going to do with, with, with the couple of pence, the couple of pennies that I give him? Nothing. So it's not, it's not about money. It's not about generosity. It's about God wants your peace of mind and my peace of mind. He wants us to hand our treasure over him to him. It's, it's not a, 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 a tour de force to, to just to show God how much I love him and how much I trust him. That's good. But for God, it's, it's greater than that. God is not... God cares about you. And he wants you to have peace in your heart and in your mind. And that's why the next part of the gospel, he says, look at, the, look at the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. They have enough to eat. They have enough to wear. Maybe your concern and mine, maybe your worry and mine is not about food or about clothing. Maybe it is. Maybe it is about how to, make your, how to pay your bills at the end of the month. But maybe it's not. But all of us, all of us lose sleep over something, over something. Just yesterday, I was, I was reading this, and I was telling God, like, I was honestly, I was really upset. I was really angry. Uh, not angry, upset. It's just upset, sad. And I went to go pray, because I had heard some bad news in somebody, in so, with somebody else's life. And I went to go pray. And, and I was praying about the gospel and telling him, Lord, what am I going to speak about, you know? Most of the people, not everybody, but most of the people have, you know, clothing and they have food and they have God. What are you talking about? And I felt like Jesus was asking me, where is your treasure? Why are you upset? Why are you upset? You've come to me. I've come to you, Lord, and I'm upset. Why am I upset? Because this person has a problem in their life. My heart is broken for them, Lord. Felt like Jesus was telling me, then this person is your treasure, John. Give me this person. Give me this person. Trust me. Entrust that person to me. I will take care of them. So it doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be food. It doesn't have to be clothing. All of us, all of us have something, something that we are, 
worried about, concerned about, wish for, hope for. It doesn't have to be negative, you know, that we're sad or broken or upset. No, it could be something that we hope for and we're working really hard towards. You've been working really hard towards that promotion and you, you really, in your eyes, have done everything you can do and you think you deserve it. Okay, God is saying, hand it over to me. Hand it over to me. Entrust, entrust it to me that I will take care of it. How do we do that? The psalm tells us how to do that. In the psalm, from, it's from Psalm 24 in the Igbeya or 25 in the Bible, it says, Lord, I'm handing over my soul to you. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Let me not be ashamed. Let me not be ashamed. In the prophecies that we read during um, uh, raising of incense during the weekday liturgies, there's a prophecy from Isaiah, and on the same day, there's a prophecy from Joel. The prophecy from Isaiah twice says, those who trust in you shall never be ashamed. And the one in Joel says it as well. God is saying, if you trust me, I won't let you be ashamed. Think of what God says about Elijah. God says about Elijah that God, notice if you read, if you read 1 Kings 17 carefully, You'll notice that God never told Elijah to go speak to Ahab and tell him it's not going to rain until you stop worshipping idols. There's going to be a famine in the land. God never told Elijah that. We presume that God told Elijah that and that it's just not written in scripture, which is very possible, right? But what's very interesting is later on it says, and the, word, uh, uh, and the Lord did not let the word of Elijah fall to the ground. Like, think of this. I remember when I was a kid, I wasn't, I wasn't very young, I was like in my late teens, right? Um, uh, somebody had asked me a, like a question about my dad. Somebody asked me if my dad was going to be somewhere or something and so on. And I said, yes, he's going to blah, blah, blah and this and that. And I was mistaken. So I went and asked my dad, Dad, are you going to go to this? I can't remember if it was a funeral or a wedding or something like that, right? And uh, my dad said, no, I'm not going. He said, oh, because I told this person you were going to go. Let me call him back and tell him that you're not going. My dad said, no. If you said something, I'll do it. And I felt so small. <laughs> I felt, he's my dad. He's my dad. But he didn't want me to have said something and look foolish. So he went and did it. So he went and did it, although it wasn't his plan. He changed his plans and he went and did it. I can't remember the exact context, but it was, it was something like that. And I felt so humbled. I felt so humbled by the love of my dad. God is the same with you and with me. He loves you. And he doesn't want your word to fail. He doesn't want you to be ashamed. He doesn't want you to be downcast. So he's saying, trust me. Give me your treasure. Hand over, not hand over your, in the psalm it doesn't say hand over your money or hand over your career or your job or your promotion or your children, your grandchildren. Your, it says, hand over your soul. It says, I, I, I'm handing you my soul. King David says, show me your ways, teach me your paths, let me not be ashamed. What does that mean to hand over my soul to God? 
It means this, for me anyways. It means that there's all of these things in life that are nagging me. My chores that I have to do at home, and the things that my children need, and the things that my wife and my home needs, and the things that are needed to do at church, and the administration, and the finances, and the service, and my own, my own service, and the services of the other servants, helping them to serve, and all of these different things, right, are, are on my, are on my to-do list, and all the people I want to reach out to, and, and call, and meet, and, and, and love, and care for, all these things are things I, that I want to do. Every now and again, I need to just take that all and put it all on the side and take myself and give myself to the Lord. Give my soul to the Lord, like it says, right? And just offer myself to Him. All of that stuff can wait. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be there in 10 minutes. I'm not saying can wait like months. I'm saying can wait 10 minutes. Can wait 10 minutes. This is why Jesus finally concludes by telling us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What does he mean, his righteousness? We've discussed this a couple of times, but just to remind you, when we speak about the will of God, the will of God is not some homogeneous entity, right? There is a will of God that was if we had no free will. That is often referred to as the good will of God. So God had a will, for example, in paradise. And that included Adam and Eve not eating from the tree. But they chose to eat from the tree. Why? Because God gave them free will. Right? So if God wants to give us free will, then His good will cannot be done all the time. So then God has a permissive will. He permits us to employ our free will in many occasions. And there are some things which God does not permit. Topic for another day. So what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness? This word, His righteousness, what does that mean? It means the restoration of His good will. Going back from His permissive will to His good will. Going back to what God wanted in the first place. So if we, look, if we look at our lives, God is telling us, seek first the kingdom of God and the restoration, restoring back His goodwill. And each one of us can ask ourselves, what does that mean in my life? What does that mean in my relationships? What does that mean with the people in, in, in regards to my relationships, with the people that I work with, with the people that I have, my family at home, with this, with that? If God's will could be done... without transgressing your free will, what would this look like? That is God's righteousness in that area. Does that make sense? You have a colleague at work that you just can't stand, but they're always stabbing you in the back. You don't know what to do about it. You know, if I'm nice to them, they stab me in the back and they make me look bad. If I'm mean to to them, I feel bad. And I know that's not what God wants. I don't know what to do. Okay, okay. Now suppose, suppose God's good will was employed in this scenario. What would that look like? This person would be really nice to you and you would be really nice to them. Seek that. Pray for that. Ask for that. Lord, I promise you I have no malicious intent towards this person. But they're constantly stabbing me in the back. I promise you, Lord, I hold nothing against them. I forgive them. I want only peace between them and me. 
That's enough. That's what it means to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness in regards to that. And all of these things shall be added unto you. That's what the the church has put for us this reading, this beautiful teaching of Jesus at the beginning of the fast, to tell us, to ask us and to tell us, where is your treasure? Where is my treasure? What is it that keeps me up at night? Hand that over to God. Let him teach me his paths and show me his ways that I may never be ashamed and that all of these things may be added unto you and to me as well. Glory be to God forever and ever. And I have sinned. Forgive me. My fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, please pray for me.